What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of of Walking Ninety. I was really about to say River City Ninety Three for some odd reason. That just lets me know that the season is right around the corner. But I'm your host as always, Elliot Barr, and is joining me is a new co-host, Mr. Chip. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Ready to uh, put Peter through his paces today and see what he has to say about the Omaha season, especially with all the news that happened today. Question: I just got to say, Omaha. whatever room you in, the lighting is like very, very nice. Just got to say that. I try to watch some YouTube videos before we do this. I have uh, <laughs> way too much free time because my wife's in healthcare, so she's always working, and I'm sitting at home, not at Union Omaha games because we have a few more months to go. And joining us is the guy that's probably going to ask Brad Pitt in 15 years to play him in a movie about Union Omaha winning the championship. Is Mr. Peter Marlette? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited to be here. All right. That's good to see. Man, it's a pleasure to have you on, obviously, because, one, you guys just won the championship, but also because we get to ask you a couple of questions of how rosters are building USL League One. You know, you're kind of the inside guy, sir. I can give you, you know, I can give you some information. I don't know. We're still working on it here at Union Omaha for 2022, but we've got a good foundation in place. Okay, okay. Well, for starters, let's ask this. How did you get started becoming the GM of Union Omaha, a team that going into season three uh, already got a championship under his belt? Could have possibly been two if COVID didn't happen. Um, how did you get started as the GM of Union Omaha? Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's been a pretty long journey here, I guess. Um, but I, I did play. I, I was a uh, Division three player back in back in the Northeast in New England, uh, Trinity College, uh, where I was a D3 All-American and then um, got hurt in my senior year and, you know, kind of bounced around uh, some, some USL preseasons and stuff, but nothing catching on there. Uh, so played a little in the, uh, the professional arena soccer league in Cincinnati and then uh, found my way over playing in the uh, in the Australian league in the. Uh, second division there, the National Premier League, uh, where, you know, had had a very good season there and, and there were some options to continue it either there or back here in the U.S. But, um, you know, it was about 10 years ago now and I kind of saw what my level as a player was and thought I might have a better future on this side of it. So made that transition uh, about 10 years ago now, uh, actually exactly 10 years ago now, I guess. Um, and yeah, Right before coming to Omaha and taking this job, I was working at FC Dallas in business development uh, and corporate partnerships. Um, but while I was doing that, I was simultaneously uh, getting scouting certifications and, and other licenses like that in the hopes of coming to a position like like the one that I have here in Omaha. So, um, you know, it, it, it worked out pretty well for me. I'm exactly where I was hoping to be when I left left the game uh, 10 years ago. And yeah, I mean, last year was my first year as a GM in this league and it was a pretty good one to start with. So yeah, just, uh, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a long road, but I, I got myself right where I wanted to be right now. So pretty happy about it. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Chip, you is the resident union Omaha fan. Let me ask you this. Obviously, you know, Peter a little bit better, but how difficult do you think his job is? Do you think he's just out there, like really kind of playing FIFA in the USL market, or do you think he like he's out there, like really willing and dealing with guys? You know, I think uh, you know Peter has it pretty easy. He has the best fans in the league, and you need Omaha. I'm sure they haven't said a single word to him about losing five guys to the championship, potentially losing Dami, the best player in the league last year, to. FC Toronto, Toronto, or anything at all today about losing two guys to two other League One teams and four guys overall. So I think Peter's on easy street. You know, <laughs> the fans just are behind him 100%. Hasn't had any comments about players, but you know, I think you know I, Peter definitely is doing a lot of work. I think uh, to a degree, being a GM of a League One team means that you're probably having to maybe do a little bit more work than somebody at a top club. Like you're really having to turn over rocks and you know go to random places to find guys because. You know, it's not like there's a player pool of 20 guys that can fit in. You're talking about giant player pools of available players that can play in League One. So, you know, Peter's probably very familiar with a bunch of random leagues all over the world. Like, uh, where was it that um, the guy, the Greenville striker this year went to Malta? Yeah. Like, yeah. who here knows where Malta is? 
let alone that they had a soccer league. <laughs> but you know, we're some we're grabbing players from all over the world in this league, and so I think guys like Peter are, you know, turning over every stone they can find to bring the best guys to Omaha. And for that, you know, we got to tip their cap because they did a great job last year, and we're going to do an even better job this year. All right, all right, Peter. I want to go ahead and kind of ask you questions about like roster building and stuff because you don't hear a lot about it in USL League One uh, compared to like Premier League, where it's written about over and over a bunch. Um, how do you go about taking you back to last year? How did you go about looking at this roster, looking at what this team needed to build upon, and kind of going into that second year knowing that hey, we got to sign these kind of guys to have success? Yeah, well, well, I think what's most important there is is knowing your identity as a club and knowing the, knowing the game and the style that you like to play. Uh, which Jay Mims, our head coach and technical director, he knew exactly what that was. You know, from day one, from when a year before this, uh, the team ever played a game, he knew what he was looking to build in in rosters and in team identity. Um, and then you know you have your personas in different posi- positions. You have your player profiles that you're looking to fill um and yeah you know as chip mentioned we've lost some players in the offseason as as you will in usl league one when you when you win a championship um but we know exactly the profile in each position that we are looking to fill we've been you know creating creating a list of some players and some leagues and some clubs where that profile can be filled talking to coaches our, our technical staff is you know, all over the scouting software, they're they're traveling in person um, to to see players and to talk to coaches, talk to agents, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort. But if you have a clearly defined playing style and a clearly defined goal as a team, and you know how each position has to fit into that, you go find those profiles. You know, it's that that huge pool of talent that can play in League One all of a sudden it gets a lot smaller when you are not just looking for someone who can play a position in league one, but can do, who can play that position in our system and in our club. Uh, so it's a lot of work, but once you've got that defined persona that you're looking for, you, you just got to go find it. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember last year, I think in mid research, right. You signed a couple of guys, um, one player from RevSu that uh, Nicholas Firmino. Firmino. Nick Firmino. Dick Firmino. I'm not going to lie. I really wanted him in Richmond. He could be you guys. But I guess what I'm trying to ask you is when you're building this team from last year, do you look at it from a standpoint of like how much does like the field dynamics come into play for building this team? Like are you are you working hand in hand with Jay Mims or is it kind of that thing of Jay gives you a list and you're kind of just working off of that? Yeah, it's uh it's very cohesive. It's very collaborative. Um, you know, Bobby Murphy and and uh, and Danny, our assistant coaches, are also very much involved. I mean, Bobby was taking trips. Uh, he's been taking trips for a while now to see players live and to talk to coaches live. So I would say it's very collaborative. Um, you know, we all know because Jay is the technical director has has set this as I was just referring to those personas that we're looking for and those, you know, those abilities and assets that we're looking for in different positions. Jay's outlined that we know what to look for. And then the whole, the whole technical staff is out there looking for them, talking to players. Uh, For me, most of my contact comes in with agents or the other clubs when we get to that point. Um, But yeah, um, it's, I I would say it's very collaborative. Um, But Jay being our technical director, Back in 2019, when the club was founded, he decided the way this team was going to play and the way this team was going to look on the field. Now it's up to all of us to to fill those those spots. So okay. I know we talk. Oh, so I know we, especially if you watch some of the not Netflix documentaries about the super leagues in Europe and everything else, you kind of can see what they have as agents, and they're kind of very slick guys who manage you know four or five guys and that's it and that's how they make all their money and sometimes it's hundreds of millions of dollars a year for these guys what's a agent for a league one player like compared to the super agents you see over in europe there there is a very wide range uh i would say i mean listen some some agents who represent league one players i'll talk nick firmino for example 
are some of the biggest agents in this game in North America. Um, you know, typically a League One player is they don't want to build up their their player roster with League One players when they're at that level. Um, but you know, there's there's also a lot of a lot of you know people who are out there uh, with their roster of players with their or with one player that they're representing who are really grinding through to get these contracts done. Because as you guys can imagine. Uh, at the League One level, it's um, you know they're not they're not getting heavily compensated, so they're working hard. Um, some of them, some of them like to be slick. Some of them like to pretend they're Jorge Mendez, and you know some of them are just normal, uh, just just acting normal, just out there trying to get their guys the best deals they can. Um, so yeah, it there's a there's a wide range, but so far I actually. Yeah, you know, may, maybe I'm being naive, but I haven't I haven't run into anybody I've had any issues with yet. Yes, and, and I I don't know if you saw me waving off here. Our director of soccer ops, James, is just coming in my office in the background. He's uh, it's it's 7 p.m. here Central Time, and he uh, is always here, usually later than I am, which which I try to try to not let that happen. But he's been doing some stuff in the background. Any questions for a director of soccer ops? It's a, it's a totally different role, but it's one I got to say, all that work I was just talking about, me and, and Bobby and Danny and Jay doing and the technical staff doing, we could do all that. And if the director of soccer ops wasn't doing their role, it'd be, it'd be all for not. Nothing would get done. So uh, important, important behind the scenes role here. So I want to ask him this. You, you can step into the camera a little bit. We're not going to bite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Good, man. Good. Um, how difficult is your role? Because you're not a role that most soccer fans would hear about. Normally it's the GM, the head coach, uh, parts of the technical staff. But it seems like you are kind of, quote, unquote, the spine of how everything operates around. So can you just describe to fans, like, what do you do and where are some of the difficulties around your job? Yeah, so uh, my job is a lot of the background. So it's just, it's just making all the wheels turn. So think of um, – Everything that happens in the background, so not only working with the contracts, but making sure that the players have good transportation, um, all of our utilities are paid, housing, food, uh, travel itineraries. So just, just making that glue just kind of stick. So uh, my job successful when Pete, um, when Pete could do his job successfully and the players could just focus on the game. So you know what I hear booking the hotels? Yes. Yes, I gotta make sure that uh, I gotta make sure they're fed. I gotta make sure they have a good night's sleep. Uh, almost like Team Dad, right? Just uh, food, on, food on the table, roof over their head. A lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know if you listened to the interview with uh, Jimmy Ablada, the coach of Chattanooga. Did you guys happen to hear what his pregame meal is? No, no. So his pregame meal is peanut butter and tuna. So I got to ask, like, what player have you worked with, whether that's a guy at Union Omaha, someone coming in from another team, who's had, like, the weirdest, like, dietary thing? I don't think that we have um, – we do a lot of more team meals. I'm trying to think. I'm not going to – I know post-game meals is a, a lot of times after after a game is when, when you see the real big cravings when the guys want uh, junk food or something like that. But normally it's, it's going to be – Pasta the night before. It's going to be very light the day of. Nothing very weird. Um, that, that's usually what it is. No, there's a weird meal in there. Come on now. What's that weird post game meal? <laughs> Who's out here asking for Wawa subs and like old guys here? <laughs> oh, that's right. Y'all don't have Wawa. No, we got Quick Trip. Everyone uh, the Midwestern here here's eat uh, breakfast pizza from a gas station called Casey's. What? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, it's it's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah. All no, right. A lot well, of Chipotle. I'll tell you that. Guys love oh, uh, oh, Chipotle on the rug. That's that's probably the number one meal that that we have to order. And even teams <laughs> coming in and trying to coordinate with them, it, it's the universal meal for for players in League One. Oh, a big God. partner of U.S. soccer. So you know. I can believe it. I can believe it. Well, we want to say thank you so much, man. You're going to enjoy the rest of your night, all right? Yeah. Hey, Jimmy. Got more work to do. Thanks for coming. <laughs> thank you. Hopefully he has to get some uh, new name placards for the locker room. <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs>
So, Peter, I want to ask you this question because this is something that always comes up around this time, um, kind of like the winter transfer window. Um, kind of like a two-part question. Is it true in American soccer that the winter transfer window is like like Europe's summer transfer window? And two, why don't we see a lot of transfers paid with money between clubs Sorry, and USL League right. Winter Champions Cup? Wait a few minutes and try setting up again. Interrupted by the Google Home back there. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just our, our seasons are reversed. So the winter uh, winter transfer window for us uh, is, is when we can still get players in for a full preseason and, you know, still um, build the roster around that market. Um, so, so, yeah, to answer your first question, it is kind of reversed uh, from how it is in Europe. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot yet of, uh, of those transfers and transfer fees being paid, uh, with USL league one clubs, um, or transfer fees going out that are, you know, of any real significance. Um, but I think that's changing very quickly. Um, you know, I, I, I can't speak in any details, but I can say here at Union Omaha, we've done, we've done some things this off season that we have never done in the past, uh, which will be announced, uh, not long from now, um, and uh, and yeah, it's operating in that transfer market, like you said. Um, so I think League One is coming there. I think it's just a young league, and uh, and the clubs and and the front offices of the clubs have still been figuring out exactly how to how to operate in the transfer market. But but it's coming. It, it's also been selling selling the league, uh, whether it's nationally whether it's a championship or to mls or internationally over to over to europe or, or other parts of the world um league one's only three only three years old so people are just starting to see what the level is and and be able to gauge you know if a good what a good player in league one looks like in their league so really i think we're going to start seeing a lot more um a lot more action in the transfer market from all clubs um certainly are from us and um i think it's just more uh you know more results of it being a young league than lack of interest or lack of ability i think i think it's common okay so, okay. so kind of my pet project this offseason is building been building a, like a transfer tracker for league one players moving on to usl championship and elsewhere and so by my count so far aaron malloy out of ford madison is the only guy to get any sort of transfer fee for Madison, which was this release clause. This is um, compared to like five guys, I think, in 2019. Madison also had a goalkeeper that year go to Miami, the Miami, for $20,000. What do you think kind of like the biggest stumbling block for getting guys up to USLC is? I know the rumor last year was they wanted a guy from Omaha for an undisclosed amount of money, but it was not enough to buy like a 2003 Prius or a 2003 Jetta. So do you think it's just a mismatch on like valuations of guys or what do you yeah, think? I, the- you know, I, I don't think it's so much a mismatch, honestly. Um, I think, I think USLC and, and MLS um, know what a, what a USL league one player, what their value is. Um, I, I don't know that they're willing to pay it. I think for too long, uh, League One and USL clubs in general, when selling on to MLS or, or over to Europe or whatever it may be, um, have been so excited to get that deal done that they've almost let themselves get taken advantage of. Um, the player that you're referencing, Chip, um, I was not involved in that. I wasn't here yet, but I heard the offer, and there's no way <laughs> there's no way you're accepting it for that player. Um, so I, it, it's become a a big initiative at the league office level um, to get both league one and championship clubs uh, defending the value of their players and protecting the value of their transfers. Um, so, you know, Aaron Malloy had that, had that um, release clause. So, you know, he was able to move at an, at a relatively, or I would say for him, a very inexpensive price. Um, but, that's good negotiating by by he and his agent when they're signing that contract in the first place, if their goal is to be able to move on at the end of the year. Um, also, I think the asset management, the the player value management is something that le- that front offices in League One are 
getting better at and maturing and learning. Um, listen, we lost, we have five players from our team last year uh, up in championship, as you mentioned, Chip. Um, and they were all out of contract with us. In, in some cases, that was always going to be the case. Um, but who knows, maybe, maybe a more mature club could have negotiated those contracts. So we, we could have gotten some transfer money from them. Um, you know, had we done the work on the front end. Um, but I, I think you're going to start seeing league one clubs, uh, doing a better job at that. Um, and, and defending the value of the players that they have. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that, that, every club in championship is better on the field than we are at Union Omaha or, or many other clubs in league one. And I also don't necessarily think that they're a better place for a player to develop. Um, you know, despite what people say about us playing in a baseball field, we've got good facilities. We've got a great coaching staff. Our players live in great housing. They're fed well, got a good training staff. You know, it's, it's a pretty good place to develop for a young player. So we don't, we don't need to give our players away just because a championship or MLS club comes offering. It's we, if we've got their contracts, we're going to work with it. Yeah. Blade had mentioned something similar last week when he said that not a lot of, a lot of the top of USL one could definitely have competed for playoff spots in USLC last year. And, you know, I know us Omaha fans have a reputation for being quite bombastic, but uh, you know, we beat, we beat Phoenix twice. In the preseason, pre-season like preseason, preseason. Yeah. I think we could have maybe not won, but I think we could have definitely, you know, gone in, made the playoffs, maybe won a first round game. And you know, there's a I mean, half our roster is going up the championship next year. Yeah. Half no, of those guys I, are probably gonna start. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. I think I think the players from from Omaha that went up to championship, I, I think those guys are gonna make an impact on their teams. Um by every one of them, honestly. Um and and yeah, who who knows how how our club would have done in championship last year? I think you're, I don't think you're far off. But until it's a competitive game, until it matters, preseason doesn't matter. Friendlies don't matter. I mean, they're great for they're great for uh, getting the players fit, getting the players playing together. But the results don't matter. So thank you. I'm uh, glad somebody agrees with me. <laughs> open Open Cup though, which is which we will finally be able to compete in. You know, I guess knock on wood this year. That's when it's competitive games, and that's when we're really going to see it. So I'm I'm thrilled for that this season. Actually, you're about to open up real quick. Like, how how important is that for you guys as a club? Like financially, just exposure wise of both fronts. Like, how big is that for you guys? Because like Chip informed me, like this is the first time like a team in Nebraska will be hosting a US uh, US Open Cup game. So yeah, no, it's huge. I, I think it's huge for, for any league one club. Um, it's an opportunity, you know, but for, in our situation, we're going to host the second round um, and it'll be two lower league clubs that we're playing against. So we've got to, got to take care of business against them because they are going to be coming. Whoever wins that game is going to be coming to get us and they're going to be coming to make a point here in Omaha. So we got to take care of business in that first round and then see how the draw goes. But no, I mean, to be able to prove yourself in a competitive match against a championship or an MLS club, uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge opportunity for us as a club. Um, the exposure is great. You know, you saw FC Cincinnati, of, you know, a few years ago. Who knows if they'd be in MLS right now if not for their Open Cup run. You know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a huge opportunity for league one and lower league clubs to, to show themselves in competitive matches. You can't argue, you know, you can't argue in pre, you can't argue in preseason that uh, we were just looking at players, non-competitive. Nobody, nobody really cared what the result is in open cup. That argument's gone. They're competitive games. So uh, it's hugely important to us from a financial standpoint. um, Got to advance to the later rounds for it to really make an impact. Uh, Honestly, this second round match that we're hosting, I don't know if it's a positive or a net negative for us financially. But the next round, if we get there, that's when that's when we start to see the benefits. Okay. So Yogi was asking me when we did our Twitter spaces about the Open Cup when the draws were announced on Friday. We are playing at Morrison Union Omaha's playing at Morrison Stadium. 
second time. Do you think we uh, get rid of the bad juju that we had last time when we famously played FC Tucson and didn't have the best result? Not the best result, but that was a, that was a fun atmosphere. That was a good game. Um, you know, I it obviously could have very easily gone very differently um, if not for not for some luck here and there. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's a beautiful stadium. It's a great venue for an early round Open Cup game. Um, you know, little little more intimate, a little more compact. Um, so no, I'm I'm really excited to play there in in April. Yeah, that North Downtown's really great area for a stadium. You read any tweets from Omaha development sites recently? No, <laughs> there been new ones. <laughs> no, just the old one from like two months ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I read that one. Uh, Pete, I want to ask you this. How are you during game days? Like, are you, are you like full GM mode? Like, you walk around with the suit, like, just trying to make sure everything is calm, cool, collected? Or are you out there, like, full blow, like, fan atmosphere? Like, I'm going to enjoy nah, it. Nah. Yeah, no, I, I do suit up for game day, I, I will say. I, I, I ditched the tie, I think. I don't, I don't think I was wearing a tie this year, but I do, I do suit up for game days. Um, but, you know, we get here, the front office staff, and, and I'm I'm not even close to the first one here, but I arrive, you know, four or five hours prior to kickoff, and, and so many people uh, in this organization and the front office and uh, game day staff and, and field staff are here, you know, 12 hours before kickoff, just working, just making sure that we can have uh, the in-stadium product that, that our fans have come to expect. So it's listen. Game days are fun, but but they're a ton of work and they're stressful. I, as the GM, you know, have a, a a little more relaxed job on a game day. I get to go out and see the fans during the tailgates and typically have a uh, have, have a beverage with them and uh, you know get get to enjoy the atmosphere a little. Uh, but I will say, once the game comes, I got I got the radio in my ear, just just listening for updates from you know from all the different departments throughout the stadium. Uh, and I'm just trying to watch the game, trying to focus on the game, but it's it's difficult. I, I do watch every game at least once uh, on the broadcast afterwards on the stream because in stadium, you know, sometimes sometimes I can be called to do something and, and miss too much of the game. So it's uh, honestly, it's game days are really fun, but man, they're a ton of work for for the people behind the scenes putting them on. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um. So I want to ask you this about last year, because obviously, like Chip was alluding to, you guys have transferred a lot of guys to the USL Championship. I think the last I counted, it was up to seven or so, or like five or so. Um, last year, when you're building this team, help construct this roster, there was a lot of talk on Twitter sphere. I'm not going to lie. I'm the one that was mainly talking about it. Like, Union Omaha is putting all the chips in one bag. Like, is championship or bust? Was that thought? in your process of building this roster based upon what happened in year one and knowing that you guys kind of have that kind of have to, but you guys wanted to capitalize off that uh, experience of last year and push on to winning a league title this year. Yeah. Well, well, listen, I, I've been here for, for almost one year. Exactly. Actually it may even be one year. Exactly. I don't know. So I caught the, uh, the tail end of our roster build from last year. Uh, most of those, most of those key key players, key positions were filled by the time I got here. Um, but listen, there's no question with some of the signings that we had in the off season last year, we saw that we had an opportunity to, to build a team that could win this league. Uh, and we made sure to reinforce those players with uh, whether you want to call it a supporting staff or, you know, or reinforcements, whatever it may be we made sure that we were going to capitalize on that top level talent that we did have uh, by filling in the right people in the, in the spots that we needed some, some support. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, I think as a staff, as a technical staff, we clearly, you know, made some, made some good guesses and, and got, got the right players. And so, yeah, you know, we're, we're looking to do very much the same this year. Um, and I can say being, being on this year's side uh, from day one, um, I, th I think we got an opportunity to, to defend it. I, and there's some announcements coming that I think people are going to like. So we're building a team here. Okay. Okay. Um, this is another question I had to ask as someone that covers USL League one that I've been wondering. Uh, why are y'all so 
uptight vest with everything. Like it is like, like, what, like what? Knox information out of y'all. <laughs> Don't let them believe that. <laughs> <laughs> like like what? What what kind of info are you looking well, for? Well, uh, okay, I'm personally saying this as a Richmond Kickers fans, but like preseason information, is there gonna be a new kit? <laughs> like, are we signing anyone? How do you guys deal with that? Like, in the management step of having like fans ask you guys, like, "Hey, all these guys are leaving. What is going on?" Yeah, no. Listen, uh, we read it. We know. We know what's going on. We know what people are saying. Um, I'm not gonna lie. There was there was a time today when so I'm sitting in my office right now. If I look right out this window, uh, is is Jack. Jack, who's our uh, our head of social media, uh, there was a time that I looked out this looked out my open door today. Had a tweet. We both saw it at the same time, and just just shook our heads. Just you know, just just frustration. But uh, you know, I don't think we're trying to uh, necessarily play it close to the vest. In some cases, we are. In some cases, there are reasons for that that we don't necessarily want announcements getting out before we're ready to put them out. Um, but also there's a lot of work that goes into it on the back end. You know, it's not just, it's not FIFA, it's not career mode, you know, it's not setting a price, sending a contract and, and clicking a button. It's these deals take some time to get through. So, you know, I can only speak to us. I don't know about Richmond, but we, we typically announce, announce our moves pretty soon after they're made, but we do have some in our pocket right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Well, you heard it here first, you know, Omaha fans. Um, for the players that you guys have signed so far, just real quick, like, what could we expect from them? Not, like, on the field, but what can you say to get fans excited for them? Yeah. Um, you know, like like I said when we were talking about building our team, um, this club has an on-field identity, and, and Jay developed it years ago. Um, we're going to play with that identity. Uh, we're, we're going to be pressing. We're going to be winning the ball back in dangerous areas. We're going to be really tough to score on. Um, and you know, some of the players that we've already, that we've already announced that we've brought in, whether we brought them back or whether we brought them in, in the off season. Um, I mean, there's certainly no downgrades in, in any position yet. We're, we're looking good. Um, you know, I, I can only say so much about what we're also working on in the background. Um, but, I'm, I'm excited about where this team's going. We're not rebuilding; we're reloading. Uh, exactly. That's well okay. put. Okay. 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 Um, Chip, any more questions out of you, my good man? Yeah. So I know uh, last year you need Omaha led the league in attendance. Uh, it's the second year, if you want to count 2020 with COVID, but we also had the uh, second highest ever attendance at a USL one game in the history of the league. Uh, the first one was Richmond. So what are you guys doing this year to ensure that we have packed stadiums for our guys to play in and what sort of amenities can fans expect this year? Yeah. So we have, and, and this is something that I've been so excited about actually having a full off season to, to help, help build. Um, because last year I got here this time last year and, you know, we know when the season started, it was playing catch up the whole time almost. So we had, we had the whole season last year to plan. Um, our promo calendar is coming out very soon. We're going to have a different promotion of each game and they're very well thought out. They are not, you know, it's not just bobblehead night to get people in the stadium. It's not just pride night because it's a league initiative. We are really thinking out what we're doing and why we're doing them and what we want to do. Um, in the community in the Omaha metro area, and I think you'll see when we release those uh, those promotions, I believe tomorrow, um, that a lot of thought went into it, and they're gonna they're gonna benefit the atmosphere and the game day experience for fans here. Um, you know, we're uh, we're also um, I know everybody wants one and two dollar beers. We're we're exploring every everything we can there. You know. We're, we're limited in that, um, but we do, like I said, you know, speaking, speaking facetiously, but, but negatively about, uh, about the fans' comments on Twitter, we really do listen to the fans on this, and we really do take into account uh, their opinions and, um, you know, what's gonna, what they feel is going to improve the game day experience. 
we can't do everything, but but we absolutely explore everything and do our best to make it happen. Um, so I think uh, I think the in-stadium atmosphere is only going to improve uh, in in 2022. Um, but so much of the of the atmosphere at Warner Park comes from the fans. I mean, it's it's not us. It, it it's we just facilitate, and it's the fans that got that have to, you know, to bring the flags, to bring the. I'm not going to say smoke. We supply the smoke. Bring the fan. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring sometimes the, the fans do. Smoke. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think our promo calendar is very good this year. Um, and I think our game day overall experience is going to be much improved, um, despite the fact that we did a pretty good job last year. There, there's always more to build on. So 90 plus that uh, Lucas is referencing, that's the Omaha Parliament supporter beer that is not in the stadium. Are you guys working on getting that in the stadium this year? I know they've had a distributor change that makes that possible. Is that? Uh, we, we are having conversations with them. I, uh, I, I'll say as of right now, it, it's not there, but we are having conversations with them and it is the goal. Perfect. And I will say for all the fans complaining about beer prices, here's the trick. You save your beer cups from the $2 beer at the start of the game. Then you go to the downdraft bar, buy the liter of fairy nectar, which is three beers for $15. Then just put that in all your buddies' cups, rinse, repeat for the rest of the game. That's the... <laughs> The trick for cheaper right. beers. <laughs> Think smarter, not harder, guys. There you go. Um, Peter, real quick, I want to ask you about the schedule that came out not too long ago for Union Omaha. Um, five of the first f- four of the first five games are on the road. You guys' only home game is the 23rd against Central Valley Fuego. How important is it for Union Omaha to get started um on a positive note? We know we all know here in USL League One that that baseball field it is, is a huge uh, home field advantage for you guys just because the way how the team plays on it and things like that. But um, having your, you know, four out of your first – four out of your first five games, that's a lot of numbers in there. Uh, how difficult is that for you guys? Person? Yeah, it's it's brutal. On the technical staff, on the players, uh, on the – you know, on the um, – on the coaching staff, on the, on everybody, on the trainers. Um, it's brutal. It's, it's a result of, of our stadium situation right now. And, you know, it's, it's not forever, but it is something that we, that we are going to have to deal with. Uh, we had to deal with it last year and, you know, we just want to maximize points, keep the players healthy, uh, knowing that, yeah, we're playing four out of our first five on the road, but, in the end, it's 15 home and 15 away. So we're going to have a pretty good end of the season like we did last year, um, ratio, home and away ratio. So it's a battle. It, it's brutal. You just got to fight through it and hope to maximize points there uh, and keep the confidence up and make sure that the players know this is the hardest part of the season right now. <laughs> Once you get through this, you know, you, you can you can start to rack up the points a little more play at home, sleep in your own bed, stuff like that, uh, which which makes a difference. So, yeah, I I think it does put us at a disadvantage, but it's the reality of our situation, and we dealt with it last year, and, you know, I have no doubt that we'll deal with it again this year. I will say this. After that five-game stretch, you guys have Ch- Charlotte and Hailstorm. So that works in your favor because Charlotte, no one has an idea what that's going to be, and Hailstorm is a fairly new team, so – yeah, actually, our, our first three home games are against the three expansion teams this year. So that's, uh, that'll be exciting for the fans. That's exciting for me. It's always always fun to see a new club in the league at home. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, listen, we got to get through that five-game stretch, and season's a grind. It's a long season, especially at the League One level. So many of these players are, you know, young. They're, they're first- and second-year pros. 30 games over the course of over the course of this many months is a long season. Yeah. So it's, it's an adjustment, especially if you're coming from college where it's, you know, three month season cramming as many games in, in as you can. It's a whole different experience here. I, I want to ask you this as well, um, because we asked Jimmy this question on the show about rivals. Who do you consider to be Union Omaha's like number one rival? And then who is the team that gets underneath your skin when Union Omaha plays against them. All right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, I, I think, uh, for me, for me, it's, there's two, there's two possible answers. It's Greenville and it's Madison for me. Uh, Greenville, obviously because of the competitive nature of the teams, Greenville being in the first three finals, us being in one and then having the other one canceled, you know, that's, that's always, that's always going to be a battle. And we always have, you know, really tight games with them. And there's the, 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 um, the belt on the line from the supporters group. So, so that's a big one. Um, and then Madison, uh, I, I will say when Madison, uh, came to Werner Park last year um, in the fall. That was as angry as I've been during a game since I stopped playing. Uh, being on the sidelines of that game, I was I, I was losing my mind. I, I was barely containing myself, to be honest. So for me, for me, Matt, I, I've got a little more bad blood with uh, with Madison after that. But you know, it, it's also we're we're doing. Um, we're working in collaboration with Madison on something which is going to be announced fairly soon that I think is a, a really good thing. So we, we have those rivalries, but at the same time, this league, uh, the clubs in this league work together. We're all working towards the same goal. We just want to do it a little better than they do every year. Hey, Connor, go take uh, that last comment from Peter and post it on Twitter with the eye emojis on it. <laughs> I will say this, though. I think that's the beauty of USL League One is that so much of it is such fan-created and fan-driven that it's not like in MLS where you have a whole week dedicated to rivalries because we're within 90 miles of each other. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I will have to say this. Y'all, for y'all first game to be against Fort Madison, like the rivals, I, I got to say, like, if I was close enough, I would definitely go to that game because I know – I know it's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, no question. Chip, Chip, are you making the trip? Uh, no, I, I'm still trying to get the smell of uh, vaporized frying oil out of my jacket I wore last year after they stuck us behind the fryer stack. No, I bought my wife uh, tickets to a musical in Chicago that weekend, so uh, yeah, that, that bought those a few months like, ago. So yeah. sounds like a very different different atmosphere, uh, but but that'll be good. I'm going to be in a lot better mood, though, no matter what happens, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, real quick, behind you, sir, uh, we see this collection of jerseys. I see a uh, Kaiser Chief jersey. Yeah, Can you tell yeah. us about that? Uh, so I got that one. So i bit of a collector here. Uh, the Kaiser Chiefs one I got uh, in Johannesburg on, a, on my honeymoon, actually. Uh, so five years ago, I guess. Um, but, but for a while, uh, I was traveling a lot. I did... I did grad school and over in Switzerland and worked in Italy for a little bit. So every new city I would go to, I would buy their clubs or one of their clubs uh, shirts. Um, eventually my wife, you know, that's kind of an expensive souvenir. Um, so eventually, eventually my wife, when she realized that I never actually wore them, I just hung them up in my closet or, or in this case in my office, uh, she started calling me out on it a little. And um, so you know, she was saying, you've got all these jerseys, you're spending all this money on jerseys, which she's not wrong. It, it, it's obscene because that's not even, that's not half of them. Um, <laughs> but, but she's saying you literally never wear them. Uh, so for a while in my, in my last job, I was uh, wearing a suit to work and I would wear one of the jerseys, a different jersey every day underneath the suit just to, uh, just to prove her wrong, just to show her that I did get use out of them. There so, you go. Yeah. There you go. Marriage 101 right there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Stick it to the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the Kaiser, the Kaiser Chiefs one's probably one of my favorites. That's that's a pretty good one. That's why that's why it is where it is. What's the coolest stadium you've been in uh, outside of the United States for a game? Um, yeah, it's coolest stadium. I don't know. I love I love Craven Cottage. I had an amazing time at Craven Cottage for a Fulham game. Um, but best experience by I mean, it, nothing's even close, and I've been to games everywhere. Um, San Siro uh, for a – it was Milan-Juve back, I don't know, must have been three years ago now. Um, I, we were sitting in the Milan supporters section. It was it was the best experience, uh, you know, sporting experience of my life. It was unbelievable. It's – in a lot of ways, it's a shame that that stadium's going away. Um, at the same time, it is obsolete. 
I, I mean, it was, I, I couldn't find a place to get a beer. You know, they, they must be losing so much revenue on game day, but it was just a, a cauldron in there. Um, you know, flares going off, the uh, just the flags waving, the drums beating. It was, it was unbelievable. I'm going to ask you this question about League One. What Do you travel with the team real quick? Yeah, so not not every not week in week out, but I do uh, I do travel with the team a few times every year. Uh, went to Madison last year. Went to Greenville. Um, went other places as well. I'm I'm blanking on them, but those are you know those are the rivals we're talking about. Um, Who's your favorite place to go in League One? Your favorite place to eat at so far? Uh, you know, I I think um, I think Madison has a, a pretty special game day experience. Um, it's you know, it's a interesting stadium. It's a tough one for them to deal with, I'm sure. Um, locker room situation is a disaster. Uh, like, no way to see. Just as bad as it gets. Um, but, you know, it's uh, the fans are right on the sidelines in, in most sections. Unfortunately, not where not where Chip was stuck by by their ticketing staff. But uh, no, that that was a pretty that was a pretty fun experience. Um, you know, in, in championship, uh, we also, the league representatives went to a San Antonio game uh, in, in Toyota. I don't know if it's Toyota Park or Toyota Stadium there. Um, but that is, it, it's a modular stadium, but it is an awesome game day experience. Really, really beautiful example of um, what a relatively, it's all relative when you're talking stadiums, but what a relatively inexpensive, inexpensive stadium build. Uh, can be. Uh, it was it was a pretty awesome atmosphere. Um, you know, Greenville actually Greenville with Legacy early. They had an amazing game day experience too. Um, you know, especially I, I was I was seated with our ownership group, so I was getting some VIP treatment. And you know, if, if you got the VIP seats at, at uh, Legacy early, you got it. You're having a fun day. Okay. Okay. So with all this talk about stadiums and game day environment sure you know where this question's going not that we're building a stadium not that a stadium's being announced not that there's any sort of thing happening but if you were to design a stadium for union omaha uh not not location necessarily but what would you want that stadium to look and feel like yeah um i think uh i want it to be tight i want i want the fans you know as close to the sideline as the league and FIFA will allow. I actually know exactly what those dimensions are, so I want them to be that tight. Um, you know, I want it to be I want it to be pretty vertical. Uh, you know, it's got to got to be safe, but also I want fans to feel like they're on top of the field. I want players to feel like the fans are on top of them. Um, you know, there's a way to build these stadiums so that it's a fortress, so that the opposing team feels like feels like the the home fans are hovering over them. Uh, that's important to me. Obviously, though, um, you know, accessibility is hugely important. There are modern amenities that these stadiums, even at the League One level where they're capacity-wise relatively small, absolutely need to have um, just based on the the sporting environment that, that we live in today. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to make it a cauldron, but I also want to make it a place where anybody can feel comfortable depending on what section they're sitting in. Uh, and have a good time at the game, no matter what you're looking for. So, yeah, can't speak to location, uh, anything like that. But no, I think I think there there are architects out there who can build a stadium that gives a real home field advantage and also provides a great experience for anybody who's looking to come watch a game. So comparing like a mod, so I've never been in a modular stadium. Would you say if you didn't know that it was a modular stadium, would you have known that? their modular stadiums just by kind of looking around? Uh, I think so. Um, but you got to know, you would if you know what to look for, right? There, there's mm -hmm. some telltale signs. Um, but when you're in it, you know, when you're sitting sitting in the stand, sitting in your seat, uh, in your suite, whatever it may be, nah, it's a, that, that was a beautiful stadium. Um, I, I think they did. I think they did it right. I think they did a great job. Peter, man, I just want to say thank you for taking the time of your day for coming on the pod to talk to us, man. Yeah, no, thank you for having me any, any time. And I've actually, I've got a men's league game. I've got an indoor game in an hour and 10 minutes here. So I got to start getting loose or I'm, or I'm done. So 
So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we don't need you to uh, pull up and rip anything before the season starts. Oh, no, I I, I almost know it's going to happen. I think this time, soon after this time last year, I was wearing a wearing a walking boot from playing in a game with our with our supporters group. So, uh, yeah, you know, the, the muscles just aren't holding up for me anymore. So it's going to happen, but still got to get out there. <laughs> um, any last things for you, Chip, before we wrap up? Um, just remember to tune in this Saturday. Uh, we're going to be announcing a player for the Central Valley Fuego. Should be pretty exciting. And then uh, also for any Omaha fans, anyone that was listening heard Peter's comments, but we'll put this bit at the end. Be patient. Be calm. The players are coming. They're going to be good. We're going to whoop Richmond's ass every single game, so it's all going to be good. You can hear Yogi cry. I'm not going to reply to that. <laughs> um, as always, listeners, we want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day for listening to our show because truly without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, Peter, once again, thank you, sir, for coming on to the show. Guys, we will holler at y'all later. Be easy and be safe. Thanks.